Hi folks, it's Rob from the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. For a few years, I wrote, produced, and hosted a podcast called When You Hear This Sound, a show about the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. As my life got more and more hectic, the episodes became fewer and farther between, until finally I stopped production in April of 2016. I've decided to include these old episodes as part of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop, not only because I'm pretty proud of them, but because I would like to occasionally put out new When You Hear This Sound episodes under the Audio Workshop banner. I still have well over 100 read-along record books in my collection, and there are a few whose story behind the story would be well worth telling. As you listen to these old episodes, please note that the show notes will not be as extensive as they originally were. The websites where the podcast was hosted are long gone, as are the original show notes. So if you want to know more about something I mentioned in the episode, check the Audio Workshop's website, spacemonkeyx.net, but you may need to do a little Googling on your own. However, if there is a book included with the record, you will be able to find scans of it at the website. So please enjoy this archived episode of When You Hear This Sound, and be sure to look for new ventures into vinyl here at the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop in the future. Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan storyteller. This is the story of the last starfighter. This is the story of gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of the Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the computer sound like this. Let's begin, let's begin, now. Hello, my little witches and warlocks. Welcome to a very special, very spooky Halloween edition of When You Hear This Sound. The 1970s was a tough decade in American history. After the tumultuous 1960s, which saw the assassination of prominent social leaders, the civil rights movement, the horrors of the Manson murders, the violence of the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago, and of course the ongoing conflict in Vietnam, it's no surprise that Americans felt a lot less optimistic about their futures than in the years following their victory in World War II. This national malaise was reflected in our pop culture, most notably with the rise of nihilistic and cynical films like Taxi Driver, Last House on the Left, and Network, but could also be seen in a darker tonal shift in a medium that was traditionally seen as being strictly for children, comic books. The decade is often considered the end of the Silver Age of comics, an era that was spawned after comic books had come under scrutiny thanks to Frederick Wortham's 1954 book, Seduction of the Innocent. The book, which has since been largely discredited as poorly researched and anecdotal, led to the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, a panel brought together to figure out why crime rates were rising among America's youth. Wortham testified that comic books were partially to blame, and so the committee recommended the industry tone things down or risk being officially censored. To that end, comic book publishers formed the self-governing body, the Comics Code Authority, and created a series of restrictions that dictated what kinds of stories, characters, and even words could be used in comic books. The Comics Code, as it was known, essentially shut down the popular crime and horror genre of comics with titles like The Haunt of Fear, Tales from the Crypt, and Crime Suspense Stories, leaving room for the rise of a less popular genre, superhero comics. 
Thanks to the code's restrictions, the Silver Age was marked by light-hearted stories of caped crusaders battling non-threatening villains, helping to solidify comics as good, wholesome entertainment for kids. While many of the figures that came out of the Silver Age are still prominent today, like Spider-Man, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, and the X-Men, as fans grew older, they began to crave more depth and maturity in their paneled storytelling. The shift readers were looking for occurred in 1971, when Stan Lee was approached by the government to run a Spider-Man story arc that dealt with the dangers of illegal drugs. At the time, the code prohibited any mention of drugs in any context, but Marvel felt that the message was important enough to warrant running the comics without approval from the authority. This sparked the first major revision in the code, which not only gave publishers more leeway when it came to things like drugs and storylines, after which they were okay to use as long as they were never glamorized, but it also loosened restrictions on typical icons of horror, like vampires, Frankenstein's monster, werewolves, and other things that go bump in the night. With more access to these terrifying tropes, publishers brought back a toned-down version of the horror comics that had been so prominent before the Comics Code Authority. Marvel developed titles like Werewolf by Night and The Tomb of Dracula, while DC preferred anthology comics like Secrets of Sinister House and Weird Mystery Tales, all of which focused on classic monsters and ghosts in the Universal Pictures tradition. However, the publishers also branched into more original content with two very similar monstrous creations, Marvel's Man-Thing and DC's Swamp-Thing. While Marvel and DC both insist they came up with their half-man, half-plant creatures separately, the two are suspiciously alike. But technically, Marvel was first out of the gate with Man-Thing's debut in Savage Tales No. 1, dated May 1971. However, Swamp Thing debuted in House of Secrets No. 92, with a cover date of June-July 1971, so it wasn't too far behind. The main similarity is in the characters' origin stories. Both were formerly scientists whose labs were sabotaged by bad guys, resulting in the scientist being infected with the super-secret chemical he was working on. After winding up in a nearby swamp, his body physically bonds with the vegetation, and he becomes a shambling green mound of sentient plant life. Naturally, their story split from there, but that hasn't prevented readers from understandably getting the two confused ever since. Was it a coincidence that both publishers created swamp creatures at the same time, or was it the product of unintentional cross-pollination? no pun intended. It wasn't unheard of for creators from the more conservative DC to stop by the laid-back offices of Marvel for a couple of beers after work, so it's entirely possible. Furthermore, the creator of Swamp Thing, Len Wein, was roommates with Jerry Conway, one of the co-creators of Man-Thing. To further complicate things, Wein actually wrote the second Man-Thing story for Marvel while simultaneously working for DC. So if Wein is the common thread, why hasn't Marvel sued Wein and DC for stealing their idea? Because neither Man-Thing nor Swamp Thing was all that original in the first place. Both swampy superheroes had a common ancestor in 1940's short story, It, written by Theodore Sturgeon for Unknown Magazine. It tells the tale of Roger Kirk, a man who dies in a swamp, only to rise again as a half-man, half-plant abomination to get his revenge on those who murdered him. But an even more direct lineage in comics leads us to The Heap, a recurring character in Airboy Comics who debuted in 1942. The Heap was Baron Eric von Emmelmann, a German World War I flying ace that was shot down over Poland. His body merged with a Polish swamp, the process taking his memories and his voice, and left him a shambling mass of vegetation with a dangling root in place of his nose, a feature that the design of Man-Thing would directly pay homage to 30 years later. Believe it or not, but The Heap returned in 1971 as well under Skywald Publications, proving that heaping swamp Man-Things were simply on the minds of comic book creators at the time. As with other comic book fads, the reign of the monsters couldn't last forever. The comics code might have been relaxed, but it still constrained creators quite a bit. Eventually, the unseen promise of truly terrifying tales led fans to get bored and look to other titles and genres. By 1976, both Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing were gone from the comic book landscape. 
but you just can't keep a good Swamp Man down. As both characters saw a resurgence in the 1980s and 90s, especially after Wes Craven released his cult classic film Swamp Thing in 1982. The reborn Swamp Thing comic saw an early, influential run of issues written by Alan Moore, who would later go on to be one of the key figures in the end of the Bronze Age, leading to the modern age of comics, with the publication of his limited series, Watchmen. Despite falling from the height of their popularity, both characters are still around today. Swamp Thing was part of the New 52 relaunch by DC in 2011, and currently has his own ongoing series. Man-Thing has been making occasional guest appearances in other titles, or as the star of a handful of limited series runs, but has yet to return to his own regular monthly title. The future looks bright for these swampy superheroes, though, as the comics code has been abandoned by publishers since 2011, giving creators the leeway to finally fulfill the promise of the monster comics of the Bronze Age. Aside from being a shambling mound of plant life, Marvel's Man-Thing is anything but a typical comic book hero. Formerly the scientist known as Dr. Ted Salas, Man-Thing is now little more than a mindless being driven purely by instinct. Although he has no human intellect to speak of, he is a highly sensitive empath, able to detect emotions emitted by people nearby. If Man-Thing senses less intense feelings, like sadness, he might just observe the scene from a distance. But if he feels anger, hatred, or fear, like a scared animal defending itself, he wants nothing more than to make it stop. This often means he'll inadvertently disrupt criminal activities simply to alleviate his own pain, making him an unwitting hero. Man-Thing's only weapon is his body, which aside from superhuman strength, is nearly invincible because it's made up of plants. Lost limbs just grow back or reattach, and he's able to ooze through openings that are much smaller than his physical form, only to reassemble on the other side of the obstacle. In addition, he also secretes a strong acid in the presence of fear. When he grabs a bad guy filled with fright, which I know I would be if this thing was coming at me, the acid has been known to burn the victim to ashes in a matter of seconds. In this week's Halloween edition of the show, we'll check out a fairly good example of the type of story you'd find in the early Man-Thing canon. The album Man-Thing, Night of the Laughing Dead, published in 1976 from Power Records, tells the story of a sad circus clown who decides to off himself in the swamp. As with a lot of record books, it's adapted from an existing comic book, the two-part story from Man-Thing number 5 and number 6. In the comics, scenes from the clown's life are played out by the possessed bodies of the people who are out looking for him after he disappears from the traveling circus caravan. They play out the roles of the clown himself, his schoolyard bully, his uncaring parents, and others who had a negative influence on his life and led him to want to kill himself. The play is acted out for a jury of supernatural judges who are there to decide if his soul should be damned. Sadly, this thoroughly intriguing tale is a bridge for the record book, though the ending of the album is still very satisfying. Night of the Laughing Dead was part of the Monster series from Power Records that included record book retellings of Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman as well. They're pretty collectible today as a snapshot of this most unusual time in comic book history when monsters ruled the world. And so with that, enjoy today's special Halloween edition of, when you hear this sound, Man-Thing, Night of the Laughing Dead. And be sure to stop by Top Hat Sasquatch to download the scanned-in comic book pages so you can follow along. Power Records presents Man-Thing in Night of the Laughing Dead. The swamp, a bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, but the serum that was to have made you a super soldier combined with strange forces in the swamp to make you over into the Man-Thing. But your former existence seems a far-off dream to you, doesn't it? Less than a dream, in fact. No longer able to reason, you now function on emotion, those few which you still feel. You can feel what others feel. 
you can understand those feelings. But emotions are often as ambiguous as words, and sometimes they are even more so. Consider this weeping clown, for example. What does he feel now as he raises a gun to his temple, as the tears roll down his grease-painted cheeks? You may never know, for across the marshland comes a single, devastatingly final shot. That prods you into action. You attempt to hurry to the source of the evil sound. But no matter, you are too late. It was too late before you began. And all you can do is stare through hazy, crimson eyes at the little clown's corpse and reflect on the buried fragments of memories brought to the surface by the ugly sight. You remember how the man you were... fought to protect his scientific discovery. You remember more, the blinding moments of escape, the knowledge that he had to destroy the vial and perhaps, at the same time, destroy himself. And so, Ted Salas did what had to be done. Memory. You recall the transformation, the mingling of the chemical with the swamp waters around him, the stark shock to his metabolism, and the bitter ending of his sanity. Slowly, mercifully, the memories end. And the man who was once Ted Salas, whose body has become that of a swamp-roaming creature, forgets again what once he knew. It's better that way. It's better. As those thoughts fade, your gaze falls upon something at the dead man's foot. But you wonder, could these little scrawls on this thin white leaf explain why the man took his own life? But wait, another flash of recollection from your former life. Foo? Few? Funeral. Humans bury their dead, so this one must be laid to rest. And so you take the body deep into the marsh while events take shape miles away that will transform this already somber evening into something more terrifying by far. The only rooms left are my deluxe. Come on, Richard, we'll find another... Uh-uh, lady, not tonight. I'm exhausted. I'll just bet. That'll be $22.40, including tax. These two young people are Richard Rory and Ruth Hart. Two old friends of yours, man-thing. Well, that was a hassle, wasn't it? I'll say. I'll bet he's a reform school reject. But, you know, I haven't got the energy to argue with him. Not now. Maybe we can go to the carnival tomorrow. Carnival? Sure. See the trucks over there? They must be playing a town around here. Boss, Mr. Garvey, Daryl's gone. Run away. We've got to go after him. We can't lose the show's only clown. And besides, he was terribly upset tonight. I'm afraid of what he might do. Please, Mr. Garvey, if he does something rash, you'll be... Oh! I'll be the boss of this three-ring loony farm, just like before, you hear? And if you don't like it, you can scram. Holy cow, Ruth. Did you see that? Richard, wait. You don't know... Them's your options, Haley. Either you... Huh? Hold it right there, buster. Oh, run along, Sonny. You heard the man, Twip. Scram. See? He's the boss. He's my boss. And I don't like nobody messing with my boss. Oh, boy. No, sir, I don't like it at all. Now I'd advise you to blow while you still got legs to walk on. It ain't wise to get Trag mad at you twice. Trag? The world's strongest man? Gosh, that's who hit me. Whoever you are, you've got to get out of here. She's right, Richard. Please, take me with you. Hey, boss. Ayla's leaving, too. Step on it, lover. Trag doesn't look happy about this. In fact, I think he and DeBoss plan to follow us. I don't care about them. I just want to find Daryl. My poor clown. First, we find another motel. I've got to get to sleep. 
We can go Clarabelle hunting tomorrow, Miss... You haven't told us your name, Miss, or why you're looking for a clown. I'm sorry, it's Ale Apprentice. I'm a high-wire artist with the carnival, and I'm trying to keep my clown from destroying himself. You see, I loved Daryl, but I betrayed him. He stopped laughing, stopped living, just wanted to die. Stop! Pull over there! That's his car! Sure, okay. There he is, and thank the Lord he's alive! Daryl, I'm here! Daryl! Daryl, what's wrong? Can't you see me? It's Ayla! Why doesn't he answer? He acts as if he doesn't know who I am. Maybe his mind is just totally snapped. That's so. It's my fault. Whoa! Where do you think you're going? It's dangerous out there. Let go of me. I have to go after him. It's my fault. He's like this. Richard, look at this. I think it's a suicide note. Ayla's not exaggerating. The little guy is in a bad way. To say the least. Okay, then. We go. But slowly, carefully. Remember, the next log you step on could have teeth. But as the three young people forge cautiously into the tepid waters of your home, two somewhat more sinister figures race along the Swampside Highway in pursuit. Sure, I'm sure they took this road. I think. You think? Ha! You don't know how, Drag. Oh, boss, I try. Hey, boss, look at up the road there. It's the clown dancing in some kind of spotlight. Only, where's the light coming from? He don't even look real. Boss, I'm scared. Slow down, you fool. You'll hit him. We don't want to kill him outright. Swerve, you idiot. Swerve. I'm swerving. But we're going to hit that tree. The truck's gas tank explodes on impact, and the vehicle becomes a Nova Bright Inferno, and the little clown stands watching gleefully. Good evening, Drag. How are you? I am fine. Where is Garvey? <laughs> Why, you little punk, when I get out from under this... You'll kill me. <laughs> Make me die. <laughs> Where's Garvey? <laughs> you blasted right, I'll kill you. I'm mad now. Oh, my. <laughs> he's mad. <laughs> but he'll still have to catch me. <laughs> and he can't, because <laughs> he's too big and slow and <laughs> stupid. Maybe. But at least I ain't no walking joke. Not too far away. Listen, noises. It sounded like trash. Didn't hear anything. Are you sure? No. It's hard to be sure of anything in here. I didn't realize it would be this dark. There are so many little sounds, so many shadows. It's... Oh! That's no shadow. It's some kind of. Here. Oh, whoa! It's got Daryl! Holy cow! It's the man thing! Take it easy, Ailey. Believe. But that or Daryl. If that is the clown he's holding, he may be protecting him. And so we better not start him. Right. We'll move closer. Slowly. And so, not suspecting that the man they seek to save is already dead, they inch away through dense swamp growth toward the spot where you stand. A hunk of earth you have chosen for the man's final resting place. And when they push aside the last clump of green, when they see the clown's limp body and the heavy branch in your mottled hand, Ava draws the logical but wrong conclusion and panics. Heedless of the seeming danger you present, she rushes to the side of her fallen friend. Daryl, wake up! It's, it's Ayla! Daryl! Oh, no! He's dead! 
You can feel this woman's deep sorrow. Your own head bows. But then, another powerful emotional force makes you whirl, startled. How, how could you? I'd almost come to think of you as human. But now, get out! Get out of here or I'll... Anger, aimed directly at you, emanating from a man you assume to be your friend. Why? What did you do? Why does he loathe you so? You cannot reason. And even if you could, you lack the vocal mechanism with which you might explain to them their error. So you merely skulk away. Once you have gone, tears flow copiously. I didn't believe the Man-Thing was capable of this. In fact, it still strikes me as odd that I could face him down so easily. Unless... I never told him how I felt. I'm so ashamed. Oh, wow! How could I have been so blind? Ayla, look. He's been shot. The monster didn't kill him. But that's impossible. We didn't hear any gun go off. And we just saw Daryl alive a few minutes ago. Didn't we? You know... I'm beginning to wonder about that. So am I. We all saw something back there. But what? A ghost, maybe. Come on, Ruth. Under the circumstances, isn't that a little bit morbid? Nice try, Twerp. Play acting that clown's dead to protect him from me. Trag! Come on, clownsy. Stand up and get beat to death like a man, you hear? Stop it, Trag! You can't kill a corpse. Trag, I said stop it! You said... Why should the world's strongest man care what you said? Perhaps you are the reason Trag should care. For despite your puzzlement at his earlier outburst, you still know Rory as a good man. Who's the luck in the gorilla suit? And Trag's assault upon him enrages you. Whoever he is, he ain't on my side. So he must be on yours. So? He's a blasted living slime. That's gonna stop me. This is a challenge for me. I know I can take any man. But a monster, that's something new. I sliced right through him. He has torn from you some small bits of your being, yet still you stand, to all appearances, unharmed. I tore into you, ripped you apart, and you didn't even feel it. You are waiting for one reaction, fear. For if this man, or any man, fears you, your very touch can burn his flesh to ashes. But Trag is not afraid, only amazed. He attacks again. But this time, it is your strength which prevails. And in the absence of fear, you resort to other, even more brutal, means to destroy your foe. But the memories return once more. The visions of needless, wanton slaughter. And though your instincts advise you otherwise, you allow him to live. And as you make that choice, the most bizarre event of this night occurs. Holy leaping! What is it? What's happening to him? Or is it happening to us? Are we all losing our minds? The warm night air has suddenly turned chill as you stare along with the humans at the skeletal specter that has risen from Daryl's lifeless shell. What are you? What do you want? Why, I want to make you laugh. I want smiles and guffaws and grins and good cheer. And most of all, peace. What does any clown want but to make people happy? But I could not go on making others laugh when all I felt inside was pain, when the love I gave was not returned. But now, my soul is free! I shall feel mortal pain no more, and so I can laugh, laugh forever! <laughs> you look and listen to the specter of a clown before you. 
And all that you know, Man-Thing, is that never has laughter made you feel so sad.